You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, today we'll talk about good works. But first, I forgot this hymn. It has that line, and crown my hoary head. That's the, that's the old English way of saying hair that is old and whiskery and white. Some of you know what that means. And we pray in this hymn that the Lord would keep us all of our days, from birth until death, in His kindness and in His love, that our lives would be marked by the Lord's smile from, from our crib into our grave. And especially then, as we consider the topic of good works this morning, we consider what it is that Jesus has to do good works. Because, and this is a fantastic reminder for us. The Lord's gospel of the promise of the forgiveness of all of our sins is an assault on our sin and on our righteousness. Now, we understand how the gospel is an assault on our sin. Jesus takes our sin. He takes our death. He takes the stench of our wretchedness and our wrath-deserving failures, and He tears them from us, and He dresses Himself in them. So that all of our discontent, all of our lies, all of our greed, all of our lust, all of our hatred, all of our rebellion, our misbelief, our cursing, our our idolatry, all of it is wrapped around Jesus like a garment. Jesus puts on Himself a deer costume on the hunting day of God's wrath. So that all of our sin is put away in the crosshairs of God's mercy. So God be praised. The gospel is this, an assault on our sin. But, but, the gospel is also an assault on our righteousness. On our goodness. On our works. On all of our efforts of self-improvement, of pleasing God by our, be- of our be- by our behavior, of being righteous or holy or perfect or even good or even better than average by our own work, by our own efforts, by our own doing, or even by our own being. All of this comes to nothing before God. This is what Jesus does with the gospel. He even assaults our righteousness. He does this, for example, when Jesus says that he comes to save sinners, to rescue the ungodly. You then must be a sinner and ungodly. Paul is assaulting our own righteousness when he says that man is justified by faith, apart from the working of the works of the law. Jesus assaults this delusion. He he goes right after it when he calls himself the Savior. And when he dies on the cross. Because this kind of thing, this kind of suffering, is not necessary for a people who can be good on their own, or who can do good on their own. Now, it is important for us to understand this, because every religion in the world, every other religion in the world, is aiming and shooting at our own righteousness. Training, pushing, striving, meditating, guiding, urging, teaching, all towards being acceptable to some God or gods, strutting around in front of God like our good work, with our good works, like high school boys strutting around in front of pretty girls. But understand that this is the most offensive thing there is to Jesus. 
Because the one who can save himself doesn't need Jesus. The person who can win by their own efforts according to their own standard, who can win God's approval, that person has, who has achieved an acceptable righteousness before God has no need for the cross. In fact, by their very works, they make the cross a mockery and an empty, meaningless thing. It is like inviting a friend, imagine this, inviting a friend to a five-star restaurant. You've been saving for years so that you can take them to this fancy place and then buy them whatever they want. You're saving and saving so that you can afford anything off the menu. And when they arrive, they announce with great pride that they are not hungry. Because on the way to the restaurant, they stopped in the dumpster behind Taco Bell and found a number of half-eaten meals and they are satisfied. They are full. This is the offense that we bring to God when we bring to Him our own self-satisfied doing. And this is the offense that the lawyer brings to Jesus in the Gospel text. But Jesus will take care of him. Teacher, He says, What shall I do? (laughs) Look at this question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Good. That's what the law says. This is a great summary of Moses. Jesus answers the question, teacher, what's the greatest law? And he answers with almost the exact same words that this lawyer uses here. But Jesus is answering the question about the law. The lawyer is asking a question about salvation. And so Jesus will let the law do its work. He'll bring this man to the end of himself, to the man, this man, who thought he had kept the law and done all that Moses had required. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, we might better hear the bite in these words of Jesus if we translate them like this. Jesus says to him, you've answered correctly. Start doing this and you'll live. Do you see how Jesus is cutting him down? To the man who thinks that he's already done everything, Jesus says, you'd better start. <laughs> it's like, so here's another picture. Imagine it. A runner who's to run a race and finds himself right there at the finish line. And everyone else is halfway around the track behind him. And he thinks that he's already finished and won, and, and won the race when he looks over and the man at the starting block says, aren't you going to start? <laughs> he's not finishing the race. He, he hasn't even started yet. He hasn't moved a bit. Jesus says to the lawyer, you'd better get started. <laughs> the, the man was thinking about yesterday and all the things that he's accomplished. Jesus is talking about tomorrow because this lawyer had not even begun to do what the law required. And this is how it is with God's law of love. It's never done. It's never finished. It's never accomplished. And this is how it is with anyone who would be justified by their love. It is never finished, never accomplished. The most fearful and clear condemnation is spoken in the Bible against such efforts. St. Paul, Galatians chapter 5, verse 4. You are severed from Christ. 
You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. But this lawyer here being undone by Jesus won't go down so easy. Like any good Pharisee, he's going to defend his own claim of righteousness. And the text tells us as much. But, but he, it says, desiring to justify himself, says to Jesus, who's my neighbor? What stunning pride he demonstrates here. It's as if he says, now I've got everything wrapped up with God. Me and God are fine. I've loved God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's no problem. And I think I've got it all wrapped up with my neighbor, but I'm not quite sure. All I have is one little question, who is my neighbor? So the lawyer asks this question, with this, with this question and with this desire to justify himself, it is to this man that Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw, he passed by on the other side and so likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever else you spend, I will repay when I return. You see, according to Moses, touching a dead man would make you unclean. And, very literally, if the priest or the Levite were to go down into the ditch, they would end up filthy, covered with mud and blood. They wouldn't make it to the sacrifices at the temple in time. They were on their way to serve God, and so their neighbor would have to wait. Do you see it? But the Samaritan, oh, the hated Samaritans, he sees this man's need and he's compelled. He jumps down into the ditch. He takes the risk. He jumps into the mess and the death of a good works, of, of a good work, and he saves this man. And now the punchline. Jesus turns to the self-justifying lawyer and he asks, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he's forced to answer with the only possible answer and says, the one who showed him mercy. And now Jesus can drive home the point he made earlier to the man who hasn't even begun to do a good work. He says to him, go and do likewise. Get started. Give it a try, you sinner. Such is the gospel's assault on our righteousness. So clear is this assault on our own righteousness that when people hear the gospel, they respond, should we sin then that grace would abound? For this gospel seems too good to be true, that apart from our works and outside of us comes a righteousness that declares us holy and clean and acceptable in God's sight and part of its family. But it is true, apart from your works, apart from your doing, and apart from your effort, completely apart from them, you are holy and you are clean and you are forgiven and you are free. And this makes all the difference. You see, there is a difference, a 180 degree difference between self-justifying good works and neighbor-serving good works. 
The priest and the Levite were so busy impressing God that they could never, in fact, manage to squeeze in a real and true good work of service to their neighbor. And I suspect the same is true for this lawyer in the text, and the same is true for your law-loving flesh. But any attempt to please God by our works is idolatry. Which means, dear saints, the only way to actually do a good work is to know that God is already pleased with you. The only way to actually accomplish a righteous action is to be righteous already by faith. The only way to begin to keep the law is to know that in Christ the law has already been kept and that the perfect keeping of the law that Jesus accomplished has been given to you by faith. Forgiveness comes first. The cross comes first. The perfect life and death of Jesus comes first. The absolute assurance and certainty that I am a damnable sinner saved by grace comes first. And then, when you have no need to justify yourself before God, when you have already been justified by faith in His promise of the forgiveness of all of your sins, then, when you have no need to impress God, because He is already impressed because of Jesus, then, when you have no need to try to force a smile across the angry face of God because you know that He already smiles at you because of your baptism and that you are a child, then, with this faith and with this confidence and with this forgiveness, then you are free to jump down into the filthy ditch. Then you are free to die. Then you are free to serve your neighbor. And then, by faith, you are free to do good. At last, this assault of Jesus on our sin and this assault of Jesus on our own self-appointed righteousness ends so that we would have Christ. May God grant it for His sake. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. 
On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 8.30 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 9.30 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.